What's good? Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. We are back with another podcast for what's been what? A month, maybe two. I don't know how long. With the Muslim Monday Mail with uh, my brother Fahad. And today we have an interesting guest. A little different than we, what we normally you know, have. Uh, he's an imam. Imam Yusuf Susi from the Minneapolis area in Minnesota. And uh, we're going to talk about something different today. We're going to talk about Teddy Bear Islam. But before that, I'd like to welcome Imam Yusuf Susi onto our show. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. How are both of you doing today? Alhamdulillah, good. Alhamdulillah, we're good. Alhamdulillah. Uh, like, did I, did I miss anything? Was that good? No, I, I think you've done fascinating as usual. <laughs> All right, that's good, alhamdulillah. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, uh, we wanted to talk about this thing called Teddy Bear Islam. And I know it's like a weird term, but I wanted to, like, come up with a term to describe a phenomenon. Uh, and I think you also uh, mentioned, like, I, I followed some of your khutbahs and lectures, and uh, I think you you do a good job of preaching the sunnah, and like, uh, mashallah, in a good way. So we we wanted to do was uh, see like what insights you have to offer. So before we like get into that, uh, you know, Fahad, what is teddy bear Islam? So yeah, I coined the term teddy bear Islam uh, because uh, I wanted to make it like poetic and philosophical. Um, so you take a bear, okay, a bear has uh, fuzzy qualities and it has uh, negative qualities as well like it's ferocious as well so just like how islam it has jannah which is a fuzzy quality and then it has jahannam as well which is kind of like the ferocious quality of it but you take teddy bear islam you eliminate the ferocity of it and you're only preaching the good parts about it right so you you're, you're emphasizing the comfort and you're reducing the amount of discomfort that's associated with it so that's why i decided to call it teddy bear islam so it's like the idea that uh, Islam has become, at least uh, from khatibs, it's become more soft. And um, all the uncomfortable truths that are associated with Islam are being taken away from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, and I think, Sheikh, you mentioned it too in a couple of your videos. I think your khutbah was, is it just the sunnah? Uh, I think I remember watching that. And you talked about how, you know, like everything is... Oh, do I just, people are like put off by certain things, you know? Oh, it's just something like, you don't have to do that. Just stay away from that, you know? Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, we'd like to see like, you know, what's, like, what's your take on this? Like, why is it, you know, that we, a lot of the people in our community only mention just the good and not the bad. And we're not saying, you know, don't be like, oh, just be like a hater. We're, but we are saying, and you know, there should be like a balance of both. So, well, first of all, I want to get your take on the term. What do you think about the term that I made? Yeah. Accurate. First, khair, may Allah reward you both immensely for everything that you all do. I know this is taken out of your time. It takes energy. It takes a lot of preparation. Uh, so I ask Allah in return to reward you, both of you, abundantly in the dunya and in the after. Allahumma ameen. Um, in terms of the, the, the term uh, teddy bear Islam, I... I could not agree with it more. Uh, it's a very, very creative word, but I think it really hits the nail on the head. I mean, it, it's that's kind of what we're forging for ourselves today is a narrative that goes, it's harmonious with that title, Teddy Bear Islam. And like, as you said earlier, mashallah, that there is this narrative that's growing and it's gaining acceptance out there. And that is that only talk about the good, but things that are going to take the, the Muslim congregation out of its comfort zone, then you should stay away from that. And if you happen to talk about that, or if you're somewhat critical, 
then you're all of a sudden marginalized. You're placed in a category that, you know, it, it takes almost forever for you to get out of. So it, it, it's somewhat threatening to even one's career if, you know, there are just certain topics that are a complete red line topic. Do not talk about it. We don't care how you talk about it, in what tone, what time, you're not to talk about it, period. Uh, and that becomes very, very difficult. So not to shy away too much, I think spot on. Teddy bear Islam, I think that's what we're uh, slowly but surely uh, kind of merging ourselves into. So yes. So Sheikh, what, what are some topics, like for example, that uh, khatibs tend to shy away from in, uh, in khutbahs? Okay, uh, in terms of the topics, the topics really, they vary from one another, but here's, there's a, a, a golden rule. Anything that is going to make the people feel somewhat uncomfortable and is going to make them uh, take themselves out of their comfort zone, that in itself is shandan. So for example, you have khutbas that have to do with the punishment. Anything that has to do with punishment, and again, making people feel somewhat uncomfortable. So for instance, if we talk about the hellfire, jahannam, that is a turnoff for a lot of people. Even though it's a reality, like no one can deny that Jahannam is haq. And e even as I say, I remember growing up in elementary school, you said the word hell, and that was frowned on. Like, you're not supposed to say the word hell, right? You're supposed to say H-E double hockey stick. And I would talk to myself, hell is not a bad word. It's a black, bad place to be in, but it's not necessarily a bad word, you see? Mm -hmm. So when you talk about hell, people it makes people feel uncomfortable, but it's a reality. It's a haq. Uh, when you talk about adab al-qabr, when you talk about the punishment of the grave, which according to Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, it's not a metaphor, it's a reality. It's a haq. Allah alam how it's going to be, but the reality of adab al-qabr is real. It's truth. Um, anything I think that has to do also with um, who defines the Islamic attire, whether it be for men or whether it be for women. So for instance, that's a red line topic. Uh, talking about hijab, for instance, if you talk about hijab, the purpose of hijab, let's say the conditions of hijab, um, let's say you use great etiquette, it's the right terminology, it's the proper way, it's the good, kind, loving, caring, passionate delivery, compassionate delivery, it's still not going to resonate and sit well with many people because that in itself now is viewed as being judgmental and you're pointing the finger and who are you to tell and you don't know our struggles. It's kind of, it reminds me of the whole Muslim convenience card, right? Mm -hmm. Even though it's out of love and compassion that you're telling people that this is not a, the way it ought to be, it should be done a different way. So these are the topics that people just don't want to hear about. Another topic too is for instance, riba, talking about um, riba, usury or interest. People don't want to hear that topic. Things where you're somewhat critical, but they need to be addressed. And it's the responsibility of who? We, the imams, the khatibs, the scholars, the lecturers, the leaders of the community, it is our responsibility to speak about these topics. So in, in short, anything that is going to take someone out of his or her comfort zone, that is frowned on, even if it's haq, even if it's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you mentioned, uh, yeah, I just want to jump on what you said about hell. Like, you had a tweet, right? Uh, I think it was something like, Sheikh, can you talk about hell in a nice way next time? Was, oh, I wrote that a while back. <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. But like, yeah, it's actually, it's absolutely true. Like, it's it's something bad, but it needs to be addressed. And then the point you made about anything that makes Muslims uncomfortable, right? Like, hijab is an excellent example, you know? Because people, they don't want to hear about their flaws, right? They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear that I'm wrong. They don't want to accept it. And and like, just the, the world we live in today, the culture is that promotes degeneracy and, you know, kind of push, is already pulling people away from Islam. The imams, like you said, which is great, they, they need to address these things because if they don't, 
then it's just only it's further downhill because you can't like there's going to be things in Islam that you have to accept right so which and then but then if you but then a lot of these imams would say well we don't want to push them away we want to soften their hearts first and and then we will pull them in so yeah but then the question is how long are you going to soften their hearts for right yeah like yeah, when so are you like, gonna actually get to the meat of things and like try start actually trying to fix your community rather than just trying to like make them feel good all the time, right? You, you, if I may, if I might add to that, I mentioned this in the khutbah a few times. I said, what, how I like in terms of that logic, just for argument's sake, let us assume that okay, this is the hikmah because a lot of people will convince themselves that it is of wisdom that I'm not speaking about this. It is of wisdom that I'm not bringing this to light. I'm shoving it under the carpet. And it's only a matter of time until I come out to my community. So do you kind of, do you put these on the side for what, a year, a few months, a decade or two? And then later on, after you have a whole new generation now, that's completely oblivious to a lot of the very basic elementary, rudimentary teachings of Islam. And you say, dear community, all of you now are spiritually mature enough to, t to handle what I'm going to deliver to you right now. Allah says this, the messenger says that. Do you guys get where I'm going with this? So, and yeah. It, like, when do you know? Th I think that's going to be more of a shock that you've waited for so long and you've come after this long period of time and now you think to yourself, okay, now I'm going to be frank, candid, and upreal, uh, real and honest with my congregation and tell them that, hey, you know what? I've been keeping this from all of you for so many years, but that's because we're growing together, we're spiritually growing together, we're maturing together, and now I think you guys are finally ready to take in such material. I, I, I don't. I think that's going to be more damaging at the fact that this information has been held from them for so many years, and all of a sudden it's now. I don't think that's going to resonate with them. I think that's going to be such a shock for any of them to take it in and say, well, alhamdulillah, you're right. I think that's more, it, it does more damage and more harm than good, irrespective of how much people see it as of wisdom. And I definitely think it's not. Yeah, I, I think that, that's, that's an excellent way of putting it. Where, because it's like you're changing tones almost, right? Like you said, first you're being all nice. And then, okay, 10 years later, you're like, guess what? This is what Islam says about health. Guess what? This is what Islam says about like, you know, like uh, rights of men and women in marriages. And guess what? Like it just, everything that contradicts today's values is just, it's going to invoke insane levels of like dis dissonance in like people right they're just going to have a tough time accepting it so if, if i may add also uh brothers and that is that I, i'm 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 for i'm for taking baby steps but when we're talking about baby steps we're talking about baby steps in a uh, uh in a in a decent timely fashion in other words we're not talking about a decade or two and all of a sudden hey i think you're ready now i'm for an, an imam taking baby steps with his congregation letting them know about the basic things and then kind of growing them growing with them spiritually slowly but surely but are we how long are we talking here i think that's the million dollar question how long are we talking you'll give 20 30 40 50 60 lectures and you're still telling yourself well it's not the time right now well when is the time i i'm, I'm definitely for the idea of a congregation being familiar, because yes, there are certain things where people will not accept from you because they're they're not familiar with who you are. They don't know you yet. But I think after a few months, you're an imam there, you're a lecturer, you're a khatib, you're a scholar. I think after a month, two, three months, a year, I think at maximum, you should be able to, you know, there's that comfort enough, there's that comfort level where it's enough where 
you should be able to say what Islam says and your congregation in return should be receptive of such content. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, so is that the uh, approach you take? Like at your mosque? I, I, I try and it's still, it's still difficult. Uh, it, it's really, really difficult because picking these topics, it's, people are just not going to like it, irrespective of how long you've known them for. It's just these are topics that people just don't like. But again, it's a matter of responsibility. It is my responsibility to convey, Ya ayyuhar rasulu balligh ma unzila ilayka min rabbik wa illam taf'al fama balaghta risalata. Right? Allah says, O oh, Messenger, convey what has been given to you. And if you don't convey, then you didn't convey the message. In other words, if you're going to convey it uh, as piecemeal and not as an integral product or integral uh, system or approach, then you really didn't do the full job clearly, right? Correct. Yeah. And I'm definitely not for going, for instance, um, I'm definitely, I'm also not for, you know, the, the, the brother who accepts Islam. And I'm like, okay, you have to now go shorten your garment. You have to not touch your beard. Tomorrow, starting from tomorrow now, because you're a Muslim now, that's... that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? No, you're that's pretty ex- balanced, yeah. We, uh, yeah, yeah, you know. You know that. That's exaggerating. That's exaggerating. So you're always going to have two extremes. You're going to have one extreme to the right, one extreme to the left. And what Islam always offers is a middle path. Mm-hmm. But the middle path in today's time is going to be extreme because the society we live in, isn't it? Yeah. That's kind of, unfortunately, that's our, as Muslims, that, that's, I think, where we've fallen short is we're, we're taking societal norms, normative behavior, cultural normative behavior to be our benchmark. And, and, and that's utterly wrong. Yeah. Uh, Fad, I think you, you had a question. Yeah. Basically, my question was, we know that in, in sales, there's this one saying that you're supposed to assume the sale. So like you're supposed to uh, basically applying that idea into, uh, into khutbas. So like assuming that your jama'ah or your congregation is already spiritually developed enough to kind of accept what you're about to say to them. So like going, just assuming that they're okay with you talking about health. Or they're okay with you talking about, um, for example, uh, women's issues, even though you're like a male imam and you're going to be quote unquote like mansplaining to them. So uh, just uh, going ahead and just taking off the bandit really, really quickly. That, that's what I'm getting at. But, and then uh, as, though, as long as you're saying stuff that's Islamically legitimate, um, at least in my mind, you'll be, you'll be good to go. Right? Well, what do you think about that? Rather than, basically, I'm just saying that remove the idea of baby steps and just go all out. I'm, I'm against that to a certain degree. That is that, for instance, if I go to a congregation that I'm not familiar with, it's my first time, I'm visiting a community, it is not of wisdom. I agree. It is not of wisdom for me to talk about the conditions of hijab or for me to talk about, you know, women's issues or for me to talk about anything that's going to uh, uh, put anybody there in a in an uncomfortable position right i'd rather talk about neutral uh, uh neutral things such as being patient uh salat generic topics i call these generic <laughs> topics being obedient to your mother i'd say about 95 percent of the time if you go into any given message at any given khutbah you're probably going to hear one of the following topics about salat which is important no and, and this is not this this does not mean that i'm here to undermine these topics Allah. but what i'm getting at here is that these topics are somewhat recycled they're generic about patience about salat 
uh, about being good to thy parents, right? Good to the neighbors. That, that you're probably 98% of the time is probably being good to thy neighbor in America, right? Which I'm all for. We're all for. No one is to deny that. But yeah. moving out of there, again, going back to that, I think I'd pick one of these topics. We're about the mercy of Allah. All of us like that. If you go on YouTube right now, 90, maybe 95% of the lectures are about, and we need the mercy of Allah. We, we all do, for sure, right? But I'll pick one of these topics, but I'm not going to go to a community uh, that I'm not familiar with, and they're not familiar with me, and start talking about things that's going to make them feel uncomfortable. That definitely lacks wisdom. Yeah. But with my own community, I'm still optimistic that I can talk about things that are going to put them at unease to a certain degree. But I would hope that at the end of the day, they do realize and they do come to terms that, you know, it's out of love that this person is speaking to us. It's out of love that maybe he was aggressive. And I don't call it being aggressive. It's called being passionate about your topic. It's kind of, yeah. like, a, it's kind of like a tough love. Like, for example, when a, when a father scolds his child, right, he's doing that because he loves his child, right? Not because he actually dislikes a child, no. Is it, would you say it's kind of like that? Yeah, yeah. Without, and, and, and here's the thing too is for some, even though we're kind of getting into a whole different topic, but it seems to me that it's acceptable for a politician, and I never understood why, but it's completely acceptable for a politician to go on a rant, seeking justice, seeking truth, seeking, you know, solving problems, right? And they go on a, they go on a rant. And everybody hears it. And people are just delighted and elated and absolutely excited. Tell them, you go. But when it seems that when we do this as khatibs for the sake of Allah, it doesn't register with the Muslim community the same way. How so? Like, like can you expand on like that? When people, are, when people are marching or screaming or you have a speaker that's tough and rough at the Senate House and we look at that and we appreciate that. We're like, well, at least we have someone who's passionate. At least we have someone who's real, right? But then all of a sudden when you take the same approach at the mimbar, you're viewed as this monster, as this arrogant monster. And I'm, I ask myself, why is it okay for politicians to be you know praised for that but when a muslim does the very same thing and we're passionate for the sake of god we're pa we're passionate for the sake of god not for the sake of a government not for the sake of a person we're passionate for the sake of god so that should be embraced even more so i find there, there's somewhat of a, a duplicity going on here that's inexplicable to this very moment mm -hmm. yeah I, I definitely agree with that because uh, it's like yeah, when you go when you go to like a rally or like just for any of these things like you know they'll make fun of trump and it's like oh yeah he said that yeah and then when the khatib's like you know like fear allah and like oh and then we'll talk about the punishment and the grave then it's like oh man this guy's too judgmental blah 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 it's like and i i personally believe it's like in a, it's like a 21st century american thing american thing you know like your convenience card don't judge me only god can judge me it's like okay i do what i want but you, you know like what you're doing affects all of us and affects society and we have to hold ourselves accountable for our actions, right? So I think it's, I yeah, it's, definitely, it's definitely right. No, but I was, he was actually, uh, I would, I can't talk about So I was thinking that Sheikh was actually trying to get at that there's less hype inside the masjid rather than outside the masjid for other secular causes. Oh, that yeah, that, that's, that's good. No, it's, it's, the way it, it's the way it registers, right? Why is it, we're so, in other words, we, we, we lend the extended hand out to politicians, mm -hmm. 
we, we, we extend the courtesy to, to, to the politicians or to anybody, right? Anybody who's at a rally, like when people are screaming, you know, in the streets and they're rallying and they're protesting, the, 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 more, the more you yell, the higher the pitch of your voice is, the more love and props and credit you get. Mm. Get them, yeah, get them, boy, get right? But if the Khafiz <laughs> doesn't have the message, and, and there's this, this, it's starting to permeate our culture even more in the masajid is that, is that, you know, and I've seen a few videos and I'm not going to mention any, which is somewhat bothersome. And that is that if you yell at the masjid, well, I left Islam because the khati was always yelling. Give me a break. Go on. No, I've seen this at a few different places and it's starting to kind of gain more and more acceptance that. You know, it's even myself, I subconsciously sometimes as I'm speaking, I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, you might get that person, I might say, well, you're the reason my daughter left Islam, or you're the reason my son left Islam, and all of a sudden, you now as a khatib, you have to put yourself in check, that no, 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 if you're going to yell, you're going to scare people away, when it's like, okay, well, now you guys are, we're looking for actors more than we are looking for khatibs, right? It, our, see, our intention as khatibs is not to turn people away, it's not to turn people off, but again, that person, that politician has extended the courtesy, it registers with them. Oh, they're just passionate about their topic. Well, hello. Why not extend the same courtesy and the same justification to your khatib or imam? We also know that uh, there was a hadith in which uh, the prophet, he used to scream until he would become red in the face when he was uh, giving, his khutbah, giving his khutbahs. Precise. Yeah, yes. He, uh, Right? His, his cheeks or his eyes would get red. His voice would, would, you know, it'll get high. His voice would be high. It'd have a high pitch. His eyes would get red or his cheeks would get red. It's as if he's a leader, a warner of an army saying, hey, this army is now, you know, coming for you guys. So, so the Prophet, he wasn't, even his approach, even his da'wah, and again, I mean, look at it here, right? You have these people for 30 minutes out of the whole week. Out of how many hours are there in a week? Allahu alam. But we're talking about seven days. You have only 30 minutes. You definitely want to make sure that what you say resonates with them. Like, for instance, I can't be talking about a hellfire. And then the brother tells you, well, hey, brother, it's a sunnah to smile. I can't talk to you about the hellfire and smile at the same time. It's far <laughs> from being But sometimes you're like, what are you guys asking for exactly? Hey, you know, Jahannam, guys, is a very, very hot place. Stay away. You know, and, uh, guys, I mean, come on. It, it doesn't, it, it's not, they don't go, they're not harmonious. They don't go, they don't, they don't go in parallel with each other. Smiling and talking about the hellfire. No, I'm not supposed to smile. It's supposed to resonate with you that when you think of the hellfire, you're like, wow, this is some serious business here. Yeah, like you should feel uncomfortable. Like you should feel like terrified when you hear about it right because that's the whole point right because we need yeah yeah that is the whole yeah that is the whole point here's the thing we want i mean we want people sometimes and again there has to be a balance and i'm sure i think i'm sure brother fed is going to bring this up later is that we want people to get out of their comfort zones we want that introspection going on we want that you know that that self-talking mechanism taking place like man i need to really get myself together subhanallah the khabib said abc or xyz we want you to leave kind of feeling like i really need to get myself together here precisely yeah you know even um 
human beings are motivated by both um, reward and punishment. And you take uh, a person who's running, okay? If, if you put a candy store in front of him, he's not going to run as fast than if you were to put like a hungry dog behind him, right? So sometimes you need punishment in order to, in order to motivate someone. And sometimes you need um, incentive in order to motivate someone. And like, for example, Jannah is the incentive and uh, Jahannam is the punishment that you're trying to avoid, right? And in, even, in the, even in the brain, we learned, like, uh, I'm a neuroscience major, by the way. So in uh, punishments is associated with uh, fear in, in one of the brain regions called the amygdala. And pleasure is associated with uh, another brain structure. Uh, it's called um, the nucleus accumbens, right? And these are two different mechanisms by which, like, the brain learns and it associates actions with, uh, with consequences, you know, I'm 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 glad you brought that part up because, yani, here's here's when you look at the Quran, if you look at the Quranic discourse, when you look at the Quranic approach to incentive and deterrent, you also you always find that they're both coupled together, right? When Allah talks about wa'ad and wa'id, wa'ad meaning the promise of Allah and wa'id meaning the punishment of Allah, you you always find that in the Quran, if Allah's talking about the wa'ad, right thereafter, He's going to talk about the wa'id, or if He talks about the wa'id. Immediately after that, he's going to talk about the wad. You know, I mean, the Quran is filled with this, right? So, for instance, in Surah An-Nisa, Allah says, And whomsoever obeys Allah and his messenger, he'll be taken into paradise. Immediately right after that, he says, And whomsoever disobeys Allah and his messenger, and transgresses the boundaries of Allah and his messenger. So you see you have whomsoever obeys, what's the reward? Paradise. Whomsoever disobeys, he'll have excruciating pain awaiting him. You also find in Surah, for example, um, <clears throat> in Surah Ibrahim, Allah talks about the Prophet ﷺ commanding him to convey to, to his people, Convey to them, inform them, O oh Messenger of Allah, that I am the most gracious, most merciful. But also inform them, O oh Muhammad, that my punishment is severe. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't say just tell them about my mercy and that's enough for them, O oh Muhammad. Don't talk to them about my punishment because that's a huge turnoff. He doesn't say that. So there is definitely a balance. Uh, for instance, in Surah Az-Zumar, Surah Az-Zumar, Allah talks about the disbelieving batch, right? He says, The disbelievers are sought in a batch to the hellfire. Right after that, he talks about the believing people. And those who feared their Lord are brought to the paradise in batches. So you talk about those who disbelieve, and immediately he talks about those who believe. Now there's an, another verse, I'll end with this inshallah, that is found in Surah Hud. So Allah says, The wretched ones will be in the hellfire. And then he talks about, But the felicited ones will be in paradise. Now notice every time there is the promise, there is also the punishment. Or if there's the punishment, right after that, it's followed by the reward. So you find this, the wad and the wa'id, these are two inextricably linked together. Right. And, yeah. and here's, 
Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that um, I, I'm not sure if there was a hadith or a riwayah that there's like three types of Muslims, that there's those who um, basically uh, they do good for the sake of trying to get into Jannah, those who do good uh, trying to save themselves from the hellfire, and then those who uh, worship Allah and do good for the sake of worshiping Allah and doing good. This is a very good point. This is actually, it's an athar. There are certain people, this is, you find this, some of, of the Sufis that say this, uh, we don't worship Allah because we fear his hell and we don't worship him because we, um, we want his pleasure. We only worship him because we love him. And, and of course, this is very, very contrary to the Quran, to the Quran itself because Allah says, he says, Call on to your Lord, meaning out of fear of his punishment, is that you're seeking his reward, which is Jannah. And of course, the greatest pleasure in Jannah is seeing the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. Um, so, you, and even Allah, when he talks about, um, he talks about Yahya, right? In Surah Al-Anbiya, he says, right? They used to call out to us, talking about the Anbiya. They used to worship us. They used to hasten to that which is good um, out of fear of the hell. And also seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seeking Allah's pleasure. Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess I just wanted to ask you about this. Oh, wait, did you have another point to finish? I, I, I did, but here's, 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 um, here's something that we really, really have to contemplate on. And that is that if, if, if we as Muslims, we're saying we're at the da'wah tables, we're at the conventions, we're everywhere, we're telling people, uh, here's, for instance, I got a Quran with me, right? We're telling people that, hey, dear Muslim, this is your way to salvation. Believe in, in this book. Believe in, in this book verbatim, everything that's in it. It is the verbatim word of God. Everything that is in here is what you'll need to be saved. It, it, I find it hard for me to kind of convince someone of believing in it. If we ourselves, it seems to me that we as Muslims, we have not truly embodied everything that is in this Quran. Like if the Quran is really viable for all places and all time, then are we to say that Allah did not do a good enough job because he's talking about hellfire and punishment and excruciating, agonizing pain, but he's also talking about love, his mercy, his compassion, and so forth. Because the Quran seems to be, these two things are linked together. So if we're here trying to give da'wah to people and we're saying, hey, you have to read the Quran, you have to read the Quran, the question for us Muslims, have we as Muslims, have we truly embodied this message? Yes or not? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, have we truly embodied it? And if we did truly embody it, we would not have issues with, you know, when a khadib does talk about punishment or when we read about it. You know, we will get like just like when we hear stories of Sahaba and how, you know, like they're they're eager to please Prophet Sallam. Sorry, they're excuse me. They're eager to uh, imitate him, right? They're eager to do like uh, like follow him as an example, and they're eager to please Allah. And uh, and when they heard about the punishment, their hearts would get soft, right? They would cry. And then you have people like us, or like in today's time, hell is like a joke, right? Like, so I, I wanted to like touch on that where you said uh, they, the verse that you mentioned about like fear, like uh, of hellfire and then love of Allah for the rewards, that uh, those are what we're supposed to have, right? I mean, if, if that's, if, here's the thing. If, if, if Allah is speaking to us with that language, should we not also speak to people with the same language? 
if, if the Quran is really, يعني, if, if the Quran in itself is from Allah, and Allah is the most wise, because mm -hmm. we always talk about, there, there's always this, I don't want to call it an alibi, but it's somewhat of, as a justifier. That is people, they always say, brother, use wisdom. And for some people, wisdom for them means don't talk about this subject, period. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's not the tone, it's not the delivery, it's not the body language. No, no, it's more of, hey, hikmah for them is not speaking about this period. Why? Because the end result for some of them is that some of the young brothers or sisters might leave the masjid. So, well, what about the others? But not to go too far. I want to quote with you also in terms of the messengers, right? Now, the Prophet وسلم, Allah says in many places in the Quran, right? In Surah Al-Ahzab, Allah says, Ya ayuhan nabiyu, inna arsalnaka shahidan wa mubashiran wa nadira. In Surah Al-Fatih, Allah says, inna arsalnaka shahidan wa mubashiran wa nadira. And even in Surah Al-Kahf, right? Wa ma nursilu al-mursalina illa mubashirin wa mundirin, right? So you find both of these, you have both of these always connected. When Allah talks about the messengers, they talk about the mubashir is the person who gives glad tidings. The nadir is a warner. Mm -hmm. Right, it's both. Yeah, so you have there, there's a combination together, right? The mubashir and an adir, right? You're given glad tidings, but you're also warning the people. Um, I have to plug this in one second. I would just I would just mention in a few verses that even the messenger, right? The messengers and messenger, um, they're they're warners. They warn the people, but they also give give glad tidings, right? So mm -hmm. these these two again. These are two uh, together, right? You don't have where a where a Rasul is a Mubashir, but he's not an Adir, right? So, I mean, if, and, and again, if that's the job of the, the messengers, right? Because Allah even says actually something different in Surah Nuh. He says, إِنَّ أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِنَّ أَرْسَلْنَا نُوحًا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ أَنْ أَنذِرْ قَوْمَكَ أَنْ أَنذِرْ قَوْمَكَ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Right? إِنَّ أَرْسَلْنَاكَ Oh, Nuh, we have sent you to your people as an Adir to warn them. He doesn't even mention to give them glad tidings. But here in Surah Nuh, he says, إِنَّ أَرْسَلْنَا نُوحًا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ أَنْ أَنْذَرْ قَوْمَكَ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Right? أَنْذَرْ قَوْمَكَ مِنْ قَبْلِ يَأْتِيَهُمْ Yeah, that was the... So, yeah, you just pointed out that he mentioned warning first. Yeah, and then he says, He says, Oh my people, I am for you a clear warner. What is he warning them from? Right? From, from Allah's wrath and Allah's punishment that no one can deny. Yes. You, you see, so if this is the job of the messengers, if, 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 if you're saying that I'm going to follow in the footsteps of the messengers, then you, you have to. You, you have no, no alternative, no other option but to talk about Allah's wrath, but also talk about Allah's love and mercy, right? There, there's a combination. There has to be a balance. And I think this is all we're calling for. It, we're not calling for you to have a 10-lecture series about Allah's wrath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously, please. And if you're an imam, if you're an up upcoming imam, don't do that. <laughs> People don't need that. I, I don't think you need to have a 10-lecture series about Allah's wrath and punishment. You know, No, I mean, there needs to be a balance. This is all we're asking for. Yeah, yeah, I like how you mentioned this, Ono, because after the warning, like, uh, after he says, I'm a warner, and then, I think the three verses later, right, he says, uh, like, and Allah will forgive you, right? Like, he, then he goes into, like, the positive incentives, mm -hmm. right? 
And yep. then later on in the surah, I think he mentions like, uh, like you talk about the reward of Jannah and stuff. So yeah, that's always found in the Quran. Yes, paradise and hell. You're you're always gonna find those together. If you're gonna see yeah, hell, exactly. you're probably gonna see yeah paradise and vice versa. Yeah, I think a lot. It's because Allah knows us. He knows that we need both, right? We need that both for proper motivation. In, in, in this again, you remember earlier when I said, have we truly embodied the Quran or not? Because the Quran is, it's, it's, a, it's real. It's real. In, in other words, it acknowledges the, for instance, it acknowledges the human psyche. It acknowledges how men are. It acknowledges yeah. how women are. It acknowledges how kids are. It, it understands. I mean, how can it not? I mean, the, the, the one giving us the Quran is the same one who created us. Yes. So it, it has to be, it has to be, a, it has to be, it has to be an effective method. Yeah, I mean, logically, yeah. yeah that, you know, yeah. yeah but, that, that makes but, we but we don't see that um, as much in the, in the masajid as much as we should. Yeah. Why, so why do you think that is? Yeah. Like, yeah why do you think uh, there's this idea of, you know, oh, you know, Islam is love. Islam is just mercy. Islam is just, or not even Islam, or even like, when there's explicit things in the text where it talks about, you know, certain rights of certain individuals, especially in marriage, and it always talks about only one side. Is it kind of the result of today's world we live in and it's just Western? Is it the result of Khatib just uh, maybe because of stereotypes of Muslims being oh, oppressive? Is it as a result of those things and the Khatibs are scared uh, for, to, you know, for a backlash and stuff? Like, what's the, what do you think it is as an imam? I mean, like, I mean, don't, don't get me. Yes, I'm uh, Fahad, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, it's not even just not talking about Jahannam, right? Yeah, it, it goes into other things. It goes into other, exactly. It goes into other facets of Islam, right? That we just don't want to talk about. That just contradict like 21st century values. Mm -hmm. Like, just like certain hadith that don't, are, might, are, might not even be necessarily bad, where it's like, oh, a woman who obeys her husband will go to Jannah. And oh, no, if you, like, that, that's something that's like, oh, why would I, like, that's something considered bad or backwards right why like and they can't even say that so what, what's your take on that here's here's what i mean i mean there's I mean, those are so many questions mashallah each each of you asked about three questions each <laughs> <laughs> which is which is okay which is okay um how do how can i go about this in in, in such a way that it, it it's fair and balanced um there has to be a fair and balanced approach for the women and for the men as well. So for instance, if, if, if yes, in terms of the backlash, there is always going to be that. But you as a khatib, as an imam, as a scholar, if, if you're going to take the perks, then you have to handle the heat in the kitchen as well. Uh, in other words, if you want to, you know what I mean? I mean, because I'm a public speaker. Um, I get invited to other places, to other towns and other organizations. It happens. Yes. And it, it comes with a price tag. In other words, yes, people are going to point the finger at you. You're Mr. Known. Oh, the Sheikh, please come and sit here. Uh, sheikh, can I book your flight? You know, and, and, and I mean, we all love to be respected and we all like to be honored. But of course, for, for that knowledge that you possess and you carry, people are definitely dealing with you with with uh, uh, uh what's the word uh with tender hands right they're, they're they're definitely dealing with you with a greater deal of, of delicacy simply because of the knowledge that you possess and have right so but and then the first class hotel rooms you know the uh, first class trips and stuff like that and then the honorariums and you know so you're you're honored oh, you're the chief, huh 
Sounds like a nice career option. <laughs> no, no, I mean, really, I mean, and this is something that, okay, but at the same time, I would feel, I would feel as a sham or as a charlatan if that's all I'm looking forward to as a speaker, but then I'm not going to speak about certain things, not because it's not the truth, not because it's not the reality, but because people don't want to hear it. I feel like, okay, if I'm going to take the perks, I have to take the whiplash that goes along Right, not because I want it, not because I'm looking forward to it, not because I want to make more enemies at the hotba, but I have to take both. I mean, for me to sleep well at night, I have to really, I have to take both. That'll be such a, that'll be such an intellectually dishonest proposition for me to say I'm doing this because when people see me, they stand up and they point the fingers at me. Oh, the sheikh is here, mashallah. We love your lectures, and man, can you come over and have dinner? All that is good. But okay, I might, there's another side to that. And I have to be willing to face that other side. You see? Yeah. You can take yeah, Go ahead. A few things to add. No, no, go ahead. Add on that, yeah. please. I was just going to add, add on to what you were saying. Uh, like how you said, uh, like you want the good and the bad. You, you, you want to take both. Like, right? Because you're like the, as an imam, you're a community leader. Mm -hmm. So you have to be, you're responsible, right? For your, for the pack, basically, right? Like, like, yeah, you can't have, like, both. You can't just have your cake and eat it, right? You have to, you have to, like, deal with the backlash, but you also have to make the, you also get to, like, accept the perks. And by backlash, I mean, like, sometimes you have to say things that are necessary, right? Just like, just like when a parent says, hey, son, you can't play video games till 12 p.m. And yeah, his kid's going to be angry at him till, like, maybe tomorrow. But mm -hmm. the parent has to make that decision. So it's kind of the same thing as a community leader. And, and, and like anything else, and, and this is not rocket science, any job, any job description, any position, it's going to come with its pros and it's also going to come with its cons. But if I just want, here's the thing, if I as a khatib, as an imam, if all, not that all I want, but by default position is you're going to be center stage, you're going to be in the limelight, you're going to be the one speaking in front of crowds, you're going to be the one uh, uh, who people are going to know. And of course, that can be a good thing or a bad thing, but you're going to be in the limelight, you're going to be known, you're going to be invited, you're going to be pampered, you're going to be dealt with with delicate hands. And of course, that's something that everybody likes, right? We're not saying whether it's good or bad, but we all like to be respected and honored, but and, and, and we don't do it as a public speaker. I don't want someone to misunderstand me here and decontextualize my words here and misconstrue what I'm trying to get at here. All I'm getting is that we don't do it for that pampering, but doing that job, that comes along with it by default, right? It, it's like an incentive package. But at the same time, that is a huge responsibility as well, is that to be fair, if you're going to you know, take those incentives and if you're going to embrace those perks, we ask, please, that you also understand that there's, there's also kind of a darker side to this, to this public speaking job or public speaking career. That is that sometimes you're, you're going to have to tell people things that they don't want to hear. Precisely. I would also add that, like, for example, the bigger the audience, uh, a lot of our community leaders have and a lot of the celebrity shayuf have, the bigger the audience they have, the more people they have to please and the more sensitive they become, right? Would you agree with that? Yes, without a doubt. And, and it's a fitna. It is a huge, huge fitna. But, you know, as I say, to whom much is given, much is expected. Precisely. Really, to whom much is given, much is expected. Um, if, 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 and that's the thing that we should not look at this 
public speaking, it's a mas'uliya, right? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he took the responsibility from us, from the people who go and study at the madrasas, for people who go and memorize the Quran, and for people who sit there and study and memorize and revise and research and everything that, that goes along with that. It is the responsibility of the person of knowledge, of the imam, of the khatib, of the scholar, to convey to the people the content. So our job as speakers is to convey to the people what the truth is. Mm-hmm. And it, it definitely gets scary mm-hmm. when, you, when you get to such a level, you start thinking. And again, this kind of intertwines with the other question is that, well, if I say ABC, maybe this organization is not going to invite me again. If I talk about this, maybe people will unfollow my page. Uh, if I talk about this topic, well, this is probably going to go all around the world and I'm really, really going to be disliked. These are things, these are considered new phenomena. Like as an imam before, as an imam back in the early, I'd say 90s, give or take, you talked about things and that was it. People left the message and said, man, subhanAllah, Allah, the sheikh gave it to us today. We really got to get our, you know, we got to tie our boots. We have to tie our belts and we have to really get serious, right? You didn't, you didn't leave the message saying, oh, that guy was judgmental. I didn't like the way he talked. He was kind of rude. He was awfully aggressive. You know, this didn't happen before. You left the message and that was it. Right, and even before the advent of the computers, you didn't go on the internet seeing what other Mashiach said about that situation, or okay, this guy mm-hmm. may be a strict. There was none of that. That didn't happen. You left the masjid, right? And you, I don't want to say you didn't care what people said, because as a speaker, I care dearly what other people think. But is, is in terms of compromising the truth, I, I'm sorry, it's it's not worth it. It's not worth it, and and I believe it's. I think. The bigger, the bigger platform Allah gives you, the greater the responsibility. So I, I'm not going to lie. It, it's, it's a two-edged sword, right? To think that you have all these followers. Well, am I looking to please these followers? Or am I really looking to get them to the best of my ability, get them closest to Allah's pleasure, and remove them to the best of my ability from God's wrath and punishment? Mm-hmm. Right, and I, 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 and I, I, I have to, I have to think good of my Muslim brothers out there that they're doing it, but it's very, very tricky, and it's very, very easy from missing the bullseye mm-hmm. and telling ourselves that well, it's not of wisdom to talk about ABC because I have so and so followers. Well, think again, think again. These these followers are not going to benefit us. These followers are not going to be with us in our graves, you know. Um, so I, I ask a lot to give us strength when that comes along, in that because it's a huge fitna. I ask a lot to preserve me and as well as as, as the other duat and the other brothers uh, uh, out there and sisters as well. I mean, all right, yeah. So uh, one of the things that's uh, I found strange, like I think you mentioned this earlier, you talked about how there's like generic topics, right? There's patience, there's salah, there's obedience to parents, there's being nice to your neighbor. Uh, I want to touch on the obedience of the parents part, and what's interesting is that we're, we accept obedience of parents very easily, but when you mention obedience to the husband, suddenly everyone flips out, right? And is that, okay, is that the fault of speakers that's not wanting to say it? Is that the fault of just today's society? I think, yeah, I mean, I mentioned this a couple times, but it's just, it's, just, it's just a bit strange that one thing is accepted very readily, right? Very readily is it accepted that a mother three times. Very readily is it accepted that obey your parents, obey your parents. But of a husband, it's like, uh, you know. Let, you know, I'm, 
I'm surprised you would, you'd even go that way, but I, that is true. That is true. That um, talking that topic in itself seems it's probably the scariest topic a khatib can ever talk about. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it, it really is. No, no. If if you want your career to be ruined, that's that's probably the way to go. Um, okay. Having said that, though, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because when you look at the the the, the concept of of, of the concept of obedience, right, in the Quran or even in the Sunnah, there are many, many sound hadith that talk about a woman's obedience, for instance, for her husband. Now, I, I do I do understand that there are many cases of abuse out there, all right? But I, re, I personally remember speaking with a gentleman before, and I, I proposed that topic just as a proposal. And he said to me, he said, well, you know what, Sheikh? There was a woman who called just a few days ago and complained about her husband abusing her, so I don't think that's an ideal topic. I didn't find that to be a convincing argument because I thought to myself, I said, well, what if I called him and I said, hey, you know what, Sheikh? I want to talk today about a, uh, a man's good character and obedience and in, 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 uh, uh, good etiquette and good manners towards his wife. I'm sure he's not going to tell me, well, actually, Sheikh, you know what? A brother called a few days ago complaining that his wife dogged him out and she'd done him wrong, so I don't think that's a good subject to pick. He'll never say such a thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's not even, yeah, it's not even obedience. It's also like the hadith that a woman who prays her salah as fast, who obeys her husband, will go to Jannah. Sorry, it's something like that, right? In, in yeah. It, no, it's hadith Ahmed, min hadith Abdurrahman ibn Awf. Now, my pet peeve with that is that, okay, these are a hadith, like as a believing man and as a believing woman, this is not necessarily meant to push a specific agenda. Now, me speaking to a non-Muslim crowd or addressing a non-Muslim audience, I can definitely understand why they would have a problem with this hadith. Yes. Well, who does he think he is? And who the hell does he think he is? And who am I to do that for him? Man, please. And you know, I can expect that from a non-Muslim crowd because it's not... It's not cool. It's not trendy for a woman to say, yes, I'm going to be obedient to my, uh, uh, um, to my husband. But that love is that's found in the tradition. Now, what do you want me to do as a dai? Do you really want me just to kind of shove it under the rug and convince you and myself that it's not the time for it because it's not cool to talk about? Or do you want me to bring it to light? Now, of course, if you talk about it, you have to use wisdom. I, I, I talked about this myself at, at a local masjid, and I brought up basically how a man should be towards his wife. And then I brought up that concept. But that idea, for instance, going back about the daddies, right? Um, what gets me also is that why is it that you'll have certain daddies, may Allah reward them for all their work, is that they'll talk about certain things about how to be good to a woman, how to love a woman, how to rub her feet. And I have absolutely no problem doing that. But for me as a man, a married person, it's not going to take from my manhood to, for instance, do these things he's talking about, whether caressing the feet, massage, being good, going the extra mile, gentle, sweet, passionate, considerate. I am all for that. Hope you do hooray, right? But why, why, why don't we see the other way around where... Okay, well, how about if you talk about a woman massaging her husband's feet? Is that all of a sudden it becomes misogyny? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why? Why is that? That's yeah. my question. That's the question. Exactly what I was saying. It's like, it's like, okay, a woman will obey her boss at work, but then uh, she won't bring tea for her husband because she's not his servant. What? <laughs> I mean, look, if, if a husband is okay with that and the wife, she's okay with that, that's fine, right? Sure. But yeah. my, my thing is, if 
I think like for instance that this topic should be covered because it is rarely covered. I personally, I never recall walking into a masjid and hearing a khatib speaking about this very topic. People don't want to hear it. I know it's not a popular topic, but why are you mad at? My question is, why are you mad at me? This is my question, because look, we all pride, especially millennials, we all pride ourselves on being just, just uh, being forthcoming, being honest, being upright, seekers of truth, bearers of truth, uh, 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 holding the torch of truth. We all, these are bold claims to make. But when I just say that your prophet said A, B, C, X, Y, Z about, and, and the word is ta'a, right? The word in Arabic, it's obedience. Like I cannot twist and, and manipulate that word and use linguistic sophistry and put it through this mechanism and all of a sudden it's ta-ta, it's not obedience anymore. Like, why are you mad at me? And when we, when we think of obedience, we think of all of a sudden that registers with some people like, oh, now the man in return has to be a complete jerk and uh, 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 this totalitarian figure at home and this authoritative dictator at home. No one said that. But this is the way it's registering with certain people. And the question again is, why are you mad at the messenger? Like if I just said, again, with adab, with a smile, you know, not being judgmental as they would say, and just saying, hey, your messenger said A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Why, why, why will you leave the masjid thinking that I'm the jerk and, and I shouldn't be given khutbah there anymore? Just as an example, it, it hasn't happened, but just yeah. as an example. Yeah. Yeah, that makes the that is that is the question. But yeah, I think you you worded it nicely. Uh, like why like why is this the way it is? And I think I don't know. I think it's it's I think it's probably because uh, khatibs avoid it, and then that avoiding the topic kind of feeds it more. You know what I mean? It kind of makes it more of a taboo. Yeah. It doesn't make it. it I don't think it helps. It doesn't help at all. It doesn't make things better at all because it makes here, it worse. Yeah. I'm sorry. It, uh, it makes it worse, doesn't it? It, it makes it worse for for many pro, for many for many reasons. Is one reason is that if you talk about it, but the mainstream speakers are not talking about it, then all of a sudden you become the jerk. Yeah. Which is but why? Like, I, I mean, here, okay, look at it this way, right? You have person A who's telling you how it is. Mm -hmm. Hey, th there's five fingers here. Okay. Another person comes along and gives you four fingers, right? But you know they have five, right? And this might be an immature, immature analogy here. The point I'm trying to get at is that you're mad at me for telling you that, hey, these are really five fingers. But you're not mad at the person who's telling you, no, no, I really got four fingers when they really got five, right? I mean, do you want us just, I mean, are you guys looking for khatibs? Are you guys looking for actors? I mean, do you want me just to play along and act like that? Oh, that's not there. That's not important. You know, let's just kind of close our eyes. That's not really important. I mean, again, why are you mad at the messenger? Women are being abused. Men are being abused out there. And no one agrees that abuse in itself should be tolerated. We all agree that abuse in all its forms should not be tolerated. But that in itself, when we talk about that topic, I mean, the very man you love, the very man you place on a pedestal said this, unless you disagree with that and you believe it's not authentic. I mean, that's a secondary discussion, but people are telling you, this is what your messenger said. Again, why are you mad at the khatib? But when one person speaks about it in the other popular speakers or the, 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 the celebrity speakers, as you would call them, they don't want to 
they don't want to talk about it. It's kind of like this. I think this is doing more damage than it is good because I, we're not giving them the full picture of what Islam again is. Yeah, just to elaborate on your point, do you think, uh, like you said, it does more damage than, uh, than good, right? Do you think it's because when the mainstream doesn't speak about it, it kind of creates pockets of other play people that speak about it, and then those guys become the weird ones or like the crazies? Very good. Absolutely. I think it creates, it creates a huge space and it creates a huge divide amongst the speakers themselves that this speaker, instead of being uh, uh, embraced and instead of him being praised for at least speaking the truth, he's actually shunned for it. And the other person who's kind of picking and choosing and select, being selective with the content and with the Islamic literature, all of a sudden now is praised. I mean, this, again, I've, I've been in the Dawah for years now, and I've yet to hear this very topic. I hear, I've heard many times, and I've personally preached about this myself, and it's on my Facebook Live video, by the way, uh, about how men should be good to women, how they should respect, honor women, be good to women, go the extra mile for women, how they should treat their wives the same way they want their daughters someday to be treated, right? I, I think this is very commonsensical, right? Um, but when you talk about this subject, it's like, no, that's a no-no. You don't talk about that topic, right? Irrespective of how well and eloquent and nice and kind your approach is, it, that's just one of those, no, that's a red line topic you don't talk about. But if we're going to talk about being good to the woman and going the extra mile for the woman, all of a sudden that's just completely embraced. It's accepted. And you can even make a series about that. And the question is, uh, that's, is that fair? Yeah, I would say... Yeah, that's definitely not just like I think it does more harm than good like you said earlier and I think uh, this uh, it's, it's, it's not only specific to those topics but I think this kind of in general goes back to uh, you know just uh, cherry picking certain things because you don't want to push people away right and it's also like the khatibs like afterwards um, like you go uh, the khatibs they might ask the jama'ah like oh how do you think I did after they gave the khutbah, right? Because there's a lot of ego attached to it. Like, they don't want to be seen as the bad guy. I mean, no one does. I'm not, when I give a khutbah, I'm not hoping that I got more enemies than I did before getting on the mimbar. Allah is my witness. No one wants to make enemies at the khutbah. But, yani, look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at the very beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, all of you are familiar with this verse when he's talking about the children of Israel. He says, Do you believe in some of the book while rejecting other parts of it? Mm -hmm. Allah is telling us, right? Like they say, And that means that you have to take this book in its entirety, right? And even when it talks about, for instance, and, and that's a lesson for us Muslims. Allah is telling us, do not be like those who went before you, O Muslims, where they took Parts of the book and they left out other parts of it and they rejected other parts. In other words, what's suitable for them, what they feel is relevant, they'll take and apply. But what they feel is not relevant and it's not popular and it's not widely accepted, then we're going to turn around and completely turn our backs on it, right? Um, for instance, even the hadith where it talks about a woman um, um, that, you know, uh, if her man has his needs and then she should drop what she's doing and attend to that, then if not, then she bears, there are consequences involved, right? You, you never hear those ahadith, and, 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 and I, I, I find it to be misleading for the, some, some of the people. Here we just got to hammer the, the we got to basically hammer the, the men, you know, with 
you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do. And I'm okay with that. If it's truth, I'm okay with it. And this is, this is how all of us should be. We should all be like that. If it's truth, if Allah said it, if the messenger said it, I should not have a problem with it myself. Right? It's easy to discredit the people. It's easy to discredit the approach. It's easy to discredit the person. It's easy to discredit the methodology. It's, it's very easy to do that. But at the end of the day, is it just possible that I have a problem with that? And if I do, I have to, I have to do a lot of soul searching. Like if I heard the prophet say something that doesn't resonate well with me and it doesn't fit well with me, I, have, I should have a problem with myself. Look, I got some rectifying to do between me and Allah. I have to rectify my situation. But we shouldn't just, because it, it's tarnishing other people's reputation. And that, that's consequential, right? That's not easy in the sight of Allah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so like, uh, I remember earlier in the podcast, we talked about how some people, uh, how some of these khadibs and da'is, they like to talk about the good things to motivate people. However, they're not all people are the same, right? Some people are actually motivated by discipline, right? Or consequences. So uh, could, you, could you share your insights on that? Yeah. Very good. Um, th that's a very good point. Uh, what, what works for you doesn't work for the person next to you. And what might work for the person next to you might not work for you, right? So people are motivated by different reasons and people are pushed off or dissuaded by many reasons as well, right? So what works for you doesn't work for the person next to you. Um, and I think that in itself overlooks a great uh, 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 number of people who are a part of that congregation. In other words, when, you, when someone comes up to you, for example, and says, you turned my daughter away. And to be honest, I've never had this before. Or you pushed my son away from the masjid because you mentioned this hadith, you stated this verse, and so on and so forth. One has to think of, well, what about those people who made tawbah that day because of that verse that they never heard before? Or what about that brother who for the first time hears a hadith and says, subhanAllah, I was never aware that any hadith existed like this. Today is my day where I'm going to turn around and I'm going to repent back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for us to look at those people who didn't take it well, well, what about those people who took it very well and it kind of shook them and it affected them and it resonated so much with them that that was the day where now they opened up and started a new page. So I find that to be a bit, uh, how do I say, a bit inconsiderate, if you will, that we're looking at one sector, but we're completely abandoning and overlooking another sector and it's as if we're kind of careless about them. Well, okay, maybe this didn't work for you. Maybe it didn't work for your son, your daughter. But what about those people that did work for it? Do we not consider them? Like, are they not important factors in the equation? I think they are. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. Because uh, like, like you said, what if, like, you know, they went that one time and the, there was like a hadith about the punishment for such and such sin, like, you know, zina, let's say, or drinking. And then he reads about it, he learns, and then he's like, hey, I'm done with this, right? It kind of, it affects him, right? And who are we to say, like, hey, this, this method is not effective. It works. I'm not. For, yeah. for instance, right? Like the Prophet, وسلم, right? Um, uh, he talks about, there's a hadith, right? Where the Prophet, وسلم, talks about the people who will be punished. And the Prophet, وسلم, he says, Those people who intentionally sleep through the salat, even after it's time, right? He talks about that they'll have a severe punishment. Now, a, a person who, who's basically very just nonchalant with the prayers, doesn't care, not, never considerate of the time, 
if all they hear is Allah's most gracious, most merciful, most gracious, most merciful, and the patting on the back, and you're doing a good job as it is, and you know, whatever you do, turn back to Allah. And I agree, whatever you do, yes, we turn back to Allah, right? No one denies that. But if this is all this person keeps hearing, what's really going to shake him to realize that what this person is doing is actually severe in the sight of Allah, that, oh, you know what? I didn't know it was this real. I didn't know that I couldn't combine Dhuhr, you know, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, and Isha. You know, I just go home after I'm shopping and I just pray all prayers and I'm done. Hey, hurry. Well, what if, no, no, it's not that easy, right? So you have, sometimes some people have to be shaken up. That person might thank you later for how real you kept it and how, you know, engaging you were, while another people, another person might look at you and say, hey, your khutbah just lacked so much wisdom. You turned me off because of your voice, because of your tone, which, hey, you can't satisfy everybody. But what, again, the question is, what about those who appreciate it? What about those whose lives are changed because of that hadith that you shared with him that calls to action, right? So I think we, we have to keep them in mind. Yeah, that call to action. Uh, could you like elaborate like a little bit more on that, like calling to action and how why that's effective than just like Islam is mercy, Islam is love. Well, well, it goes back to our it goes back to our whole topic about that the Quran is you have two concepts, right? Incentive and deterrent. You have Jannah and not. And this even even in life, right? You you have for your job, you have the pros, you have the cons, you have the perks, you have the negatives. So. Islam has to be, for Islam to truly be effective, that's the way the message has to be delivered. If we really want to touch everybody and anybody, because again, when you go to the masjid, you, you're dealing with a wide array of people, right? You have people where it's going to take them two or three times to be shaken up. You have people who you have to remind them of the mercy of Allah because they've done good, right? Because they've done ah, bad. You have other people you have to shake them up. So people, you have to speak to people with different levels. Like, if this is all they keep hearing, every time they're in the masjid, they're just going to walk out. They're not going to feel a sense of shame. They're not going to feel a sense of guilt because they're, they're hearing that, again, like Brother Fahad calls it, teddy bear Islam, right? And so when you keep hearing that narrative time and time again, there's nothing, there's no, you're not creating a sense of urgency. But if you tell them, brother, if you keep doing that, Allah says ABC, the Prophet ﷺ says this, and Allah forewarns us, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about this punishment awaiting those who backbite. Allah talks about those who are not considerate of their prayers, of those who do not dress Islamically, and the list goes on and on. You might have one sister that says, oh my God, that was so judgmental, um, and, and the list goes on and on. You might have another sister who says, subhanAllah, I was never made aware that you, this is not part of the hijab, or you can't wear this, or you can't dress in this certain attire, she might appreciate it and walk out and say, Jazakallah khair, Sheikh, I never knew that. No one ever told me that. Another sister might walk out and think you're just a judgmental, ostentatious. So people are different. I, and I think we, we as du'at speakers have to remember that, that people don't work the same way. Yeah. That's, uh, there was this one there was this one, I think it was a hadith or riwayah, correct me if, uh, like, I, I don't know exactly where the source is, but it's um, when uh, Allah says, destroy the, this qawm beginning with this man. You, you know what I'm, what I'm talking about? Yes, uh, I believe uh, Ibn al-Qayyim talks about this in Mustahdar al-Sa'ada. He basically talks about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was, it's a narration that Allah was going to destroy a nation, and then the, the, uh, uh, 
Jibreel tells Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Inna fiha rajulan abid, that this town has a, an elderly person, a worshiper. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, I believe that's the narration that Allah tells him start with him because his his face, like it did not change because of the, the, the munkar, the mischief that was taking place around him. You know, so it didn't bother him. He was just worshiping, minding his own business. And that's the other thing too, is that we, we can't perpetuate this narrative of just, oh, well, it doesn't concern me, let bygones be bygones. And that's kind of what the whole Muslim convenience card is about, is that we have to really get out of this mindset of, well, who are you to judge me? Who am I? I mean, part of being a Muslim is that if I'm, if I err, if I make a mistake, come and correct me. I have yeah. to be okay with that. That's part of being a Muslim. Yeah, I think uh, you just reminded me of the, isn't it, isn't there a verse that talks about enjoining what is good, prohibiting what is evil? Like you are the best of nations because you worship Allah and you enjoy yeah, yeah. what is good. I think. Even though I'd love if we can have like a, a full a full episode for that as well. Um, we can talk about that. But yeah, كنتم خير أمة نخرجت للناس تأمرون بالمعروف وتنهون عن المنكر وتؤمنون بالله. You were the best of nations brought out to mankind for two reasons or three. You enjoin what is good, you forbid what is evil, and you believe in Allah. Yeah, exactly. So if, right now, we we have that enjoining what is like what is good. We have that missing. And no, sorry, prohibiting what is evil. And it doesn't mean like go be a hater and you should do it with wisdom. But we. we Forget, forget doing it with wisdom. We're not doing it at all. And that's the other thing too is when you talk. I think you, you, you I couldn't have said it. I could, I could not have said it better uh, when you said we're not doing it at all. And, and again, that's because our definitions have changed. That when you do that, that's defined as being judgmental, arrogant, or condemning someone to hell. You think you're better than them. You think you're Mister Know It All, and you know. And it's never, it's never been like that. At least according to the Muslims who went before us. That was part of their deen. It was a fundamental belief to, to, to give advice and to you know, tell someone if they're wrong, of course, with etiquette, with adab and so on and so forth. It's not about looking for people's faults. Um, but these things have to be addressed, especially when it becomes a communal problem, you have to address it at the minbar, right? Like if you have a problem in your community, for instance, with adultery, you don't sit there and talk about the blessings of dhikr and, and saying la ilaha illallah 100 days. Yeah, the kid is important, but when you have an adultery problem in your community, you don't sit there and talk about how wonderful the kid is when you have a problem at this grade of a of, of a scale. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Talk about the issues because ignoring them is not going to make them go away. Yeah, especially if it's relevant. If if it's something that's it, it's it's affecting, it's harming your direct community. You you can't talk to them about you know things that are just completely far from that right you have you have to talk about that which is it's urgent it's needed right yeah could you give an example of how you've done that in your community um yes for instance uh in in my community uh there and i think this is not just i don't think it's in our own community per se i think this is all around where you have muslims selling cigarettes muslims selling uh liquor muslims selling pork muslims you know cheating the government and i i i brought it up i said look here muslims we cannot sit and lie to one another and, and, and tell ourselves that we're worshiping Allah and we come here and we say, oh, Allah, give us victory. And we are lying and conniving and we justify to ourselves that it's okay. 
you know, whether it be lying on our taxes, whether it be um, selling the, the forbidden things to the non-Muslims and we justified ourselves that, oh, they're not Muslim, or we lie on our paperwork, right? We say that we're taking care of two or three kids out of daycare, when in reality, there's no daycare, no one's taking care of anybody, and we're getting grants and money from the government, and then we go around and, and it's like, guys, this, this is haram. We, we cannot continue doing this and we cannot continue you know, to act like this is not happening. It's obvious it's happening and everybody knows it's happening. But whose responsibility is it to bring this to light? It's the khatib. It's the imam. It's the person responsible. So it's a huge responsibility. It, it is immense. And that's why I, I tell any young ones coming up and learning, you have to either be okay and assume such a responsibility and I don't want to sound harsh here or do something else for a living. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, really. no, I mean, are, um, at least khatibs and leaders, they're very reluctant to start conflict within their community. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I'm reluctant. Mm -hmm. So I don't want conflict. I don't, I don't want it. I don't, I don't feed off of it. Like, I don't get off of a khutbah and say, Whew, mashallah, I got more enemies today. I really made them feel bad. No one wants it, but... Yeah. I wanted to share. Uh, I wanted to share a story of Omar bin Khattab when he was Khalifa. Sure. Can I share it? So, yeah, please. So Omar bin Khattab, uh, once saw a man speaking to a woman on the roadside. He began to beat him with his stick and asked the man why he was shamelessly speaking to a woman on the roadside. Uh, the man answered that the woman was his wife. Omar then said. Why are you discussing your personal matters by the roadside in, and enticing the people to listen to your personal conversation? He answered, O leader of the believers, we, would have just, uh, we have just arrived in Medina and we're discussing where we should stay. When Omar heard his answer, he apologized to the man, gave him his stick and ordered him to take his revenge. The man said, I forgive you for the sake of Allah. However, Omar insisted that the man take the stick and seek out his revenge, but the man refused every time. Thereby, Omar said, your reward uh, will be with Allah. And it's, it's in Akhbar Omar on page 190. SubhanAllah. Times are, uh, times are definitely different. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, we can't do that now. <laughs> but here, here, I'll, here let, me, let me say this, right? For instance, um, um, that is true. That is true. You're... But, but again, that comes to the pros and cons, right? Your job description is you're going to take it all. You're going to take the perks and you're going to take the, 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 the backlash that comes with it, right? Mm -hmm. um, no one goes, I don't think anybody goes on the mimbar in the hopes of making more enemies because they spoke the truth. But mm -hmm. speaking the truth is probably not going to leave you many friends. No, not at all. You know, no, no one does it. No, no one wants to be spoken ill of. But when you speak the truth, and this is this is obvious, right? When you speak the truth, it's not going to sit well. It's not going to resonate with 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 a lot of people, you know. But that's just the nature of the beast, right? That's just the nature of 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 how things work, right? If your friend asks oh. you, "Do I look fat?" If you tell him the truth, he's not going to be your friend, right? It depends. I mean, if if. If he was a true friend, he would tell you the truth, that you are fat, right? Yeah, yeah, for your own good, looking out for your own good, yeah, yeah. But if he was just seeking your approval, rather, what would he do? He would just say, no, you don't look fat, you look, you look wonderful. Yeah, and make you feel, make you feel good about yourself. I, you know, it's kind of funny, and I, I want to mention that boy, 
uh, who they were clapping for. I mean, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I know some people might think this is judgmental, but I, I think this is, this is just, I think it's, it's a shame and it's embarrassing. You had that obese, over, overweight child on that TV show, and he was talking about how much he eats and how much, and people are just applauding for him. Like, oh my goodness, you guys are destroying this young man. Yeah, exactly. You're harming him. You're, you're, you're setting him. I, I, I don't know where it was, but everybody was just getting such a great laugh. I'm not going to lie. It was humorous, but I mean, when you think about it thoroughly, it, it, it's not humorous at all. That's scary. We're, we're setting this child up for failure and for destruction. Like he's going to destroy his body if he does not change in, in the foreseeable future here, right? And everybody's just laughing about how much he eats and how much he likes uh, chicken and meat and stuff like that. And the audience was just applauding and applauding and more applauding. And I'm just like... That's not good. He doesn't need that. He needs someone to tell him, of course, with wisdom and charisma and compassion and love and etc. That's a giver, right? We all know when you give nasiha, because everybody there's the well, I know, but there's a way of giving nasiha. I agree. I agree. Let me let me let me go back to one thing before I do forget, right? You know, we were talking earlier about um, how Allah says to Bani Israel. He talks about, uh, uh, do you believe in some of the book and you don't believe in the other? Now, sometimes what I like to do with my own congregation is I, I try to tell them, I try to put, I try to make, use them as part of the analogy, right? Imagine if, for instance, you, Brother Ammar, or for instance, you, Brother Fahad, right? You gave me, you gave me a wasiyah, you gave me a document, and you told me someday later on, I want you to read this to my kids if I pass on or something happens to me. Now, how would you take it if I read to your kids only half of the page that you, you wrote for me? Do you think that would be fair? And would that be something you would appreciate? Not at all. Not well, at all. No. But had both of you answer. I want you guys' answer, right? I'm not reading the whole thing. You gave me a full paper. I only read half of it for whatever reason it is, right? How would you feel about that? But you told me. Like, Yusuf, I want you to read the full paper. And I want you both to kind of provide an I would, I would probably... Um, Sorry, I'm I wouldn't like it because I created that document with the intention that um, the people who are reading... Uh, with the intention that people read through the whole thing. That's why I wrote it to begin with. Because the very... Okay, what if... Sorry? What if, what if something... What, what, if, what if something was there mm -hmm. that was going to make my daughter or my son for example feel very very uncomfortable in other words it was a mistake that I made in the past or something that I did and I just couldn't continue living with it but I wanted to come out clean after I die for whatever reason that is right yeah. but I told you I said Fed, make sure I want you to read for them everything in this paper wouldn't you feel that it's it's your it's your religious duty it's just your duty in general to convey the full message yeah definitely yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Amar, what's your answer? Oh, yeah, what's my answer? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, like, yeah. If you, if I gave you something and I said, "Hey, read this," and then you only read half of it for whatever reason, yeah, I would probably be, I would be disheartened and disappointed because, uh, if I wrote that and I, and I died, and there are certain things I wanted to be said, I, I need all of it to be said, and maybe there's something that's missing that they don't get, and, uh, like. I have no way of, I, you were like my only hope of doing that. So if that, if that message doesn't reach them, then whatever, what I intended will be lost. 
And that's, that's the analogy I'm trying to say. I think that's what we're, see, you know, what's kind of funny is sometimes we deal with, we deal with Allah in such a way that we ourselves resent, that we don't like, right? For, for instance, we don't want anybody to do that to us, but we're going to turn around and do that with the book of Allah. Yeah. 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 No, I understand. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? We don't want people mincing our words. We don't want people, you know, taking out of context what we say. But we're going to turn around and do kind of the same thing with Allah. When we don't know that, no, if it's in the Quran, it must be an effective method of reaching out to the hearts of people. Yes. Precisely. Yeah. Like you said, in the Quran, he mentions Jannah and Jahannam together, reward and punishment together. And mm -hmm. there must be a reason for mentioning that, mentioning it that way. Because part of the Quranic miracle is the linguistic miracle. And part of that is going to be part of that one. No, no. So, so yeah. we, we've kind of hammered the point quite hard that teddy bear Islam is an issue. Okay, that it exists. Um, what would you say us laymen should do about it? Like we we don't really have much power within within our Muslim communities. I mean, do we really? I don't know. No, forget power. Like what? Like as a Muslim who wants to, you know, like keep, uh, he wants to study. Like who wants to, you know, uh, wants to learn the deen, but also wants to, like, you know, stay firm. And what can we do in our communities to, you know, eliminate teddy bear Islam? Yeah, or offer like what's the practical steps to offer like uh, the correct message or the full message of Islam? Very, very good. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to take a concerted effort. It's going to take first create an awareness, uh, number one. Uh, and number two, it, we as Muslims, and I hate to say this, we have to mature. Really, and I know this sounds, this, this doesn't sound positive, but we have to mature. Like these ad hominem attacks, um, attacking people simply for delivering a message, attacking people for simply just saying the truth and using alibis of, well, it wasn't the right time and it was aggressive and that wasn't the right approach. And it's like, it, it, is it more than that or is it really, is, it, is that really the problem? Um, we, we ourselves, we ourselves have to be okay. Hey, if, if, if this is Islam, it's an authentic hadith, it's a verse in the Quran, I have to be okay with it. Like, I have to work on myself to the point where now that it's being said, I don't have a problem with it. I worked on myself. So, so we should be self-reflective and self-aware that hey, yes. I need to I need to realize this is from Allah. But Allah knows Allah knows us best. So what He has made halal is good. What He has prohibited is what He has made haram is bad. So I should accept what He says because He knows us better than we know ourselves. Yeah. Hey, what, you know we're we're living in a system. We're, our system today is. When you're patted, always patted on the back, always patted on the back. Oh, hey, you've done a great job. Hey, you've done a wonderful job. Hey, you've done a remarkable job. Hey, keep it up. If that's what you're always hearing, always hearing, always hearing, and no one comes to you and says, hey, you know what? Um, I really have some criticism. Um, you know, I don't think this is good. I don't think this is going for you. And whatever the criticism might be, if you're not used to that, you're not going to take it well. Yeah. So what happens if you're compliment if you're being complimented all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, and no one stops you and says, oh, actually, I don't think this is right. You're not going to take it well simply because you're not used to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So we as Muslims, once again, we have to, I think, re-familiarize ourselves with, with what is in the hadith or prophetic tradition. So for instance, 
I as a Muslim, if I find a hadith that doesn't sit well with me and it has to do with gender equality or women doing that or women doing this and it's in the Quran or it's in the prophetic tradition and it's authentic, I can't throw up, I can't start attacking now the speaker or the sheikh simply because they used that as proof or they, they just simply shared it. That's immature of us to do. Yeah. So we have to rise up to the occasion. We have to be okay. Hey, this is my religion. It's in the Quran. It's in the authentic tradition. I have to be okay with it. I have to be, whether I'm at an MSA, whether I'm at the university, I'm at the masjid. You know, and that's why there's this whole divide now. Well, don't say this on the university campus, but say it at the masjid. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why? I mean, I understand you're dealing with university students, but what, they get a special Quran and those at, a, at, a, at, a, at the masjid, they get a special Quran? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, for example... Uh, discussing discussing issues related to like um, homosexuality, for example, um, that's not taken lightly at, at the university, right? Like if you if you want to talk about the actual Islamic position, that oh, it's actually it's 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 haram. And and you know what's funny is is this I for us Muslims at least it's it is somewhat of a new phenomena this term controversial topic. Like for us Muslims, this is relatively new, right? Like for 1400 years and on, it's never been a, there was no such thing as a controversial subject that we deem controversial today, right? Okay. For instance, hijab, it was, that was never considered a controversial t subject. Uh, uh, about the women obeying their husbands, this was never considered a controversial uh, subject. The gender differences, the gender uh, uh, duties between both genders, that was never considered a controversial topic. Um, homosexuality, that was never considered a, uh, a controversial topic. You find that it's our context and our milieu, and that's why it's viewed as a controversial topic. But then again, as I mentioned earlier, if you all remember, if I'm speaking to a Muslim audience, why, why is that still controversial? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I think- uh, I I'm think, confused uh, myself. Yeah, I think, I think what you said, uh, uh, the earlier point you mentioned about being self-aware, when you have a problem with something, we should ask ourselves, instead of questioning the legitimacy of it, we should question our own assumptions. We should question our own paradigm before we project it onto Islam, right? Like, why, like, why do I think this is wrong? Right. It's not, and it's not just wrong. It's not. Remember what's happening, Ahmad. It's not that you're saying it's wrong. Is that it makes you? You're, yeah. You're, you're not accepting it, but you have a list of alibis that you convince yourself that you're going to get away from receiving or acting upon this truth now that's new to you. But you're going to use alibis to get away from it to make yourself feel good and to perpetuate the wrong that you're doing. So, as I mentioned earlier. Oh, he was being negative. Oh, that was just too aggressive. The approach turned me off. Well, why did he have to say it like that? Was this the right time to say it? Was this the right place to say it? So we'll use these alibis, but at the end of the day, what all this means is that, hey, I'm not accepting it, but I'm gonna throw this list up as an alibi. You, you, you get where I'm going with that? Yeah, yeah, you see, basically, from what I understand, uh, some people, like, they'll, They'll basically, if they don't like it, they'll just uh, make justifications for why to deny it. Instead of holding themselves accountable. Instead, instead of, of holding themselves accountable, yeah. Instead of me saying, okay, whoa, whoa, hold on. No, no. The khatib is the khatib. He delivered the message. Why do I have a problem with this? I have to work on myself. It's easy, you know, like they say, it's easy to point a finger and you got, what, three coming back at you? 
right? Yeah, yeah. This is what it reminds me of. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's very easy to kind of use these alibis to get away and hold it. But self-accountability has to be brought back to the table. We have to introduce ourselves once again to self-accountability and stop playing these, oh, well, you didn't say it the right way and you were awfully loud and that was a turn off and you said it, you shouldn't have said it at that setting. And well, that's because these people were here and the list goes on and on. And it's like, you can never get it right. Yeah. And even if those things are true, it doesn't discredit, like, if I'm like smoking, like a cigar or cigarette or like drugs or something or weed or something. And you're like, Hey, that's haram. And, I, and someone says to me, Hey, that's haram in an aggressive way. That doesn't like, okay, sure. You're aggressive about it. I, I'm still in the wrong. Like, and, and you know, even on, on like on, on judgment day, if Allah's going to ask you about, you know, this is haram, you're not going to say, yeah, Allah, I knew it was haram, but I did not want to act about it, uh, act on it because the khatib was kind of aggressive and being negative. Like, do you really think Allah is going to say, you know what, you're right. Let me go punish him and you, you're, you're, you're accused, right? Yeah. And yeah, and just for like our viewers, uh, he's not saying be aggressive. He said, he's obviously saying you should, you should do it with wisdom, but we're not even having these conversations, right? So to yeah, start yeah. is... We need to have those conversations. And, and again, we, we, I think we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't conflate the two, right? Being, I, I think people will see it as being negative. It's, but say passionate. Yeah, that's exactly it. You're, you're being compassionate. You're, you're, you're passionate. You're, you're excited about it, you know? And, and, and if you, why is it that it's okay for us to get moved for our parents? Like when our parents are disrespected, if our mothers are disrespected, our fathers, our kids, our wives, our husbands, our family members, like we show the world that we're disappointed. But when it comes to Allah, we're just supposed to, you know, have a numb heart and just be nonchalant and just be, why is it okay for us to get mad for those relatives we love? But when it, when it comes to being passionate for the sake of Allah, that's frowned on. Like, I, again, that's duplicity. Yeah, that's, like that's it's understandable, right? When someone, when someone, you know, when someone disrespects your mother in public, it is absolutely normal for you to throw a fit. Yes. Whether it be, hey, you watch your mouth, and who do you think you're talking? Like that's understandable. No one's going to accuse you of being aggressive, right? That's normal. It, it's it's the nature of where you're at, the context. But when you when you get excited for Allah because Allah now is being disrespected, that doesn't sit well, and I don't think that's right. Yeah. Like, we need to be introspective. Oh, would you say uh, earlier, like, like you said, yeah, we should be, we should ask ourselves why. And also, do you think the way forward, this kind of goes back to the community question that like, as laymen, we should work on ourselves, our family, and our like, our, the people closest to us, you know, like, is that the way the forward? Thing, here, the first thing I think that needs to be created, there, there needs to be awareness created for uh, 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 to kind of create awareness that this is becoming a problem. Mm. That, that we have to first realize that, no, this is a problem where we have to be selective and talk about, you know, subjects that are going to make people feel good about themselves. And all of a sudden things are going to take people out of their comfort zone. We're going to, you know, overlook that this in itself has to be corrected. Like we have to first realize that we're forging for ourselves a kind of mentality and a kind of psyche that's that's mm -hmm. doomed to fail later on. But okay, but then some people would say, and I'm I've heard of people in communities like this. Well, this is 21st century America. If you don't like it here, go back to Saudi Arabia. Like all these things. As long as we pray, we don't care. Blah blah blah. So certain, like you know, they bring up these points. Uh, they just don't want to. They just want to basically live and let live. Like I'll pray and then whatever. I don't care. Like yeah, you know, Amar, but like part of being a Muslim is, I mean, that's the definition. You're submitting to Allah. 
right? Yeah. Allah, Allah, wa qala Rasul. Like you, Allah says, and um, whatever, like, and the the Prophet says, and then like you're supposed to just like obey it. Yes. Right. So. I, 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 you, 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 I mean, I wish it was easy and I wish it was that simplistic. Allah and his messenger said, Khalas, I wish it was that easy. Goodness gracious. But it's, it's so far from that, you know? I mean, as a, as a khatib, probably uh, one of the solutions is mm-hmm. because like some, like my friends uh, w- within our MSA, they are khatibs for, for our jama'ah. So I would probably suggest to them now is that uh, every time they're about to give a um, something that the audience would may not like to hear, something that goes against Teddy Bear Islam, uh, is that I didn't say this myself. Our Prophet said this, or Allah said this. Okay, and just be clear that like basically putting the blame not on yourself, but moving the blame somewhere else, so that way they won't say um, they won't come after you afterwards. Does that make sense? But I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I, I I think you're being poly being awfully optimistic and perhaps Pollyannish right now because. That's exactly what I tell people to do. I say, look, say it with wisdom, say it with charisma, say it with love, say it with compassion, say it with, with, with a nice smiley face. I'm okay, but just say it. Mm-hmm. That's all we're asking. Just say it. You know, just, just, just let the people know that, hey, the Prophet ﷺ said this or the Prophet ﷺ said that. You know what I mean? Say mm-hmm. it in the best way you feel, but you, it has At to least be say said. It. Yeah. And, like, and, and if you truly love and if you want good for the people, you will say it. Right, you care about them, right? Just, like you, that's why you'll say because if you, you'll want the truth for them if you if you care about them, if you care about them. Precisely, yes, precisely. So yeah, so yeah, you mentioned raising awareness and then, I guess like being more introspective. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a false there's a false there's a false wisdom out there, and that is that hey, if you talk about these topics, you're gonna push people away. You disagree with that. Oh, big time! But wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't you necessarily push people away, right? Like some some of the people they're going to be turned off by necessarily, right? You're, you're going to have some people pushed away, but to what degree are we going to allow that plausibility and that possibility to dictate for us what we do now? Yeah, you're you're then you're mm-hmm. being controlled by the few that do disagree, because but it's a possibility you might turn people off, and but. To, uh, that kind of again, I mean, again, it comes to kind of that maturity and in, in, in having that self accountability of because if everybody's going to say, if every khatib or if every speaker is going to say, well, don't talk about those topics because they're controversial. What? Well, they're they're a part of Islam for a reason, and 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 they, this has to be shared with with the general public. The people at least have to know. For instance, right? But for instance, homosexuality, right? It's very very obvious very, very obvious that it's impermissible in Islam to engage in this kind of activity. Now, you might have a parent, you know, might come along and say, oh, well, you know what, I don't think you should have talked about it. But let me ask you, would you, would you rather, dear parent, have your kid know very clearly about the verdict of homosexuality in Islam? He hears it from me. He hears it from another person. He hears it from the ICNA convention. He hears it from the ISNA convention. He hears it at another conference. So he's ingrained. He knows that, you know what, this is just a big no-no for me, right? Or is it that your kid never hears about it? He's confused about it. And he grows up and he himself becomes a homosexual. Now, are you going to be mad at the khatib or are you going to thank the khatib? I think you'd, you'd, you'd have a lot of beef with those khatibs out there because 
you'd probably hold a lot of the Khatibs there to blame, right? They're part of the blame. Well, you guys didn't do a good enough job of explaining to myself how this is just a no, no, no in Islam. Right. So, I mean, it's very implicative. It's not just easy to say don't talk about it. It's, and sometimes it has to happen to us for us to wake up and realize, you know what? You were right. Maybe we should have talked more about it. Because when we have a, a personal experience, when that happens to us, our, our whole vision and concept of, of just life in general just completely changes. Mm-hmm. And homosexuality is just one of the many examples out there, by the way. Yeah, yeah there's, there's... We can go on and on and on with examples. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Like, for yeah. example, Hudud. <laughs> uh, we can go on uh, about... Like, you just, give me some examples. I mean, the hudud is one of the examples, homosexuality. We talked about it earlier, uh, hijab, um, um, enjoining what is good and forbidding what is evil. You know, I yeah. mean, that in itself is just, it's, it's dreadful. Like, you're talking to Muslim students at a college, and they're just looking at you like, what are you talking about? What, an, what a judgmental... It was like, why are you guys looking at me like that? Just as an example, you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it can backfire because... Here's the thing is that uh, Islam has two things, right? It has musallamat and mutaghayyirat. Musallamat, these are things that are accepted, these things are accepted by consensus of all scholars that it's permissible or it's impermissible. Yeah. Mutaghayyirat. Yeah, hijab, right, for example. Yeah, hijab is musallamat. No scholar, reputable scholar has ever said mm-hmm. that, oh, it's just cultural. It's not really necessary. No reputable scholar has ever made a claim, right? So you have today, for instance, when we talk about homosexuality, so for the hijab, people will come along and say, oh, it's just cultural. I heard that on NPR News myself, and I was just outraged, you know, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have another person who says, no, 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 homosexuality is not necessarily um, forbidden in Islam. What's forbidden in Islam is for a man to coerce another man into having that intercourse. That's what's forbidden in Islam. Yeah, that goes into like reformation and reinterpreting and stuff. That's the problem. Even though Muslims have agreed all along across the board, regardless of their religious affiliation or their circles, that this is just not permissible. You have a Muslim today growing up, never hears this on the minbar, never. And all he heard is some guy talking about, well, as long as you don't pressure another man, what's impermissible is for a man technically to rape another man, basically. But if it's consensual, then it's okay. And mm-hmm. when you hear that, you really think that, because you grow up with you grew up with a lot of these other concepts alongside of it, right? That, oh, it's okay, and you know, freedom of choice, and these concepts that yeah. are certain, they seem very catchy, and they lure, 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 lure you in, right? And so when you look at it like that, you don't have a problem with it. And that's why we have to get out of this, this, this false wisdom that, oh, it's going to turn people off and don't talk about it. Just bring them to the masjid. And we have to clarify things to them, especially if these are relevant issues, right? Mm-hmm. Like homosexuality, for instance. But like also some topics at the, at a minbar, they're just kind of distasteful rather than controversial. Like, like, for example, say your community has a pornography problem, right? Would you talk about that in front of your jama'ah? Yes, for yeah. one yeah, reason. You should. Yeah, I, I don't want to. And again, you have to be very because selective you know, over there as well. So no, no, right? But but here's the. Th- I mean, with the day and age that we're living mm-hmm. today, it's just, it's just, it's just unbelievable the information that these kids already know. Yeah. 
as well as like, like for example, women are also there, kids are there. Do you really want to be talking about a topic like that? If, if, if it's truly a topic that's touched in the community where the imam gets a lot of complaints about this, the parents are complaining and it comes from more than one source, then I think it's imperative to talk about that. Of course, you have to be selective with your words. You have to be implicit sometimes if you can. You don't want to be too gratuitous, right? You can't be like that, but you, it has to be brought up just so at least like for the shabab that, hey, you know what? You can be watching on that. Malik al-Maut comes to you. What do you say to Allah? You wake up, meet in Allah, you know, and you see Allah and, and, and here you are because you, 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 you're resurrected in the same state that you die in. So if you die praying, that's how you meet Allah. If you die watching porn, that's how you meet Allah. I mean, that that really what you want for yourself? You know, it could be, it could be, it ha, it's, it's a multifaceted discussion, mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. Also, like, you know, the idea of being unapologetic, like being unapologetically Muslim, so many Muslims, they like to associate themselves with that idea. But they're not unapologetically Muslim because they... They, they, they hide this particular Muslim. portion. They, yeah, they're just hide, they, they hide everything else besides Teddy Bear Islam, right? And, and here's, here's the thing too, like we're not, I, I don't want someone to listen to this and think that we're promoting, you know, being aggressive. We're promoting being considerate. We're promoting looking for people's faults. This has absolutely nothing to do with that. So for example, if someone's on his or her deathbed, right? They're in the last throes of, they're in the throes of death. They're experiencing their last breaths. I'm not going to go to them and remind them of Allah's excruciating pain. I'm not going to go to them and remind them of Allah's eternal punishment or of Allah's wrath. I, that's not the place for that. The only thing I can have right now is remind them of the, 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 the compassion and the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sorry. So, um, so, but there needs to be, there just needs to be a balance. And this is all we're asking for. It's, 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 it's spiraling. It's spiraling out of control. It's getting out of control and we're forging for ourselves a narrative that's probably going to do more harm in the foreseeable future than good. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you mentioned that earlier about the points of the Muslimat and the idea of reformation. I think that that's pre pretty much what the Christians did. Did they not? Did they not just keep what they liked and then remove what they didn't like? So you it's know very what's dangerous. Funny? What's funny about Christianity is Christianity always seemed to, uh, and, and this is something that really, really bothered me about Christianity, is that it always seemed to be in alignment with political trends. So, for instance, it, it was popular, known, and acceptable in the 50s or 60s in America to be an anti-Semite. Like, that was cool. Like, you can be a, a, a preacher at the pulpit and preaching, you know, things about hating the Jews, and that was absolutely acceptable. Of course, as I as, as I as a Muslim, I'm not necessarily I'm not uh, condoning that. I'm not saying that hey, we should go do this, do the same thing. But I'm saying, for instance, today you have um, these rainbow flags in front of the churches that say, oh well, God loves everybody. I, God doesn't love everybody. I mean, when you say God loves everybody, God doesn't destroy those He loves. And well, God in the Old Testament showed us that He didn't destroy one person or one nation. He destroyed many people. So this concept of God loves everybody is completely fallacious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, yeah. Even that—that's that, another example of uh, of a topic that you know you wouldn't, uh, you, you people would avoid or would be avoided. Right. Uh, another example is one um, uh, al kafirin. That one. <laughs> I mean, 
here's 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 the thing, right? Like we're not asking for somebody. We're not asking for for the khatib to go out there and talk about controversial, crazy, crazy subjects so much so that he's probably going to have the FBI waiting for him outside. No, no. What we're asking rather is to talk about topics that need to be talked about. That's it. That's all. Yeah. Regardless yeah. of controversy, like, and have that balance. Here, here. We don't need khatibs to get, you know, to become conspiratorial theory nuts, right? We, we, we don't need you to be conspiratorial with your, with your subjects. And I think this, and they did this, and they put that, you know, because people are probably going to put you in that conspiracy box, and only Allah knows when you're ever going to get out. So, don't put yourself as a khatib. Don't put yourself in harm's way. Don't put yourself. Don't get yourself intentionally in trouble. But that doesn't also mean that you don't speak the truth. Right. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah just just have the the balance. I think it was like wasn't there the Ibn Qayyim's analogy of the bird, the hope and fear. Maybe I know this goes into a different topic on itself, but hope is something good. Fear is something that's like a little bit negative. So you kind no, of no, both. No. It's it's it, it's kind of, it's in the same part because you're talking about hope and hope and fear. You're talking about incentive and deterrence. You're talking about reward and punishment. And no, it it is in the same realm. Yeah, you, you have to have, and, and you know, what's kind of funny is that you have to have hope and fear, but if all, if, all you're, uh, if all you're hearing throughout your sermons throughout the year, if 90% of what you're hearing is just patting on the back and just, hey, you're doing a good job, and it's, you're not changing, there's no sense of urgency that's created, that's, I think that's going to do harm. To, to people they're not going to feel that sense of guilt and shame and that was something that's always praised right uh, according to the islamic tradition is to have a sense of shame and guilt as you you feel bad about yourself like you know what i i gotta do better i i, I gotta do more i gotta be more grateful i gotta i gotta push myself and i gotta exert myself you don't want to baby your next become spoiled and rotten right and, and it does harm for you than more more harm than good yeah i'll go on um, even if our, even our prophet said, if you have no shame, then do as you please. Right. So shame is, is something that is, um, shame and haya is some quality that's praiseworthy. Yes. In our society, in our culture today, that's what I think we should have a, um, I think we should have another episode that talks about definitions, Muslim definitions, like what are our definitions? Because today it's all about being sassy. It's all about lack and haya. It's all about lack and modesty. It's all about, you know, the whole world hearing who you are. It's all about and it's just, apologetic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To add on to the point of shame, uh, like the Sharia punishes public sins and not private ones. So that's why there's shame, right? Like, oh, like, like, because when it's public, it influences everyone else to do the sin. But the one's private between you and Allah. That's why you feel shame. And if you feel no, sh if you feel, if you do feel shame, you will stop. If you don't feel shame, if you're like, ah, oh, it's okay, blah blah blah, you won't stop. Yeah, precisely. And I think this culture it doesn't encourage us to have that kind of shame, you know, because this culture is all about, well, who are you to judge? Which is true. It's true in our culture. Who are you to judge? I mean, you know you have a whole different you know belief system than i do who are you to judge me in other words off of what basis but we as muslims we can't use that amongst each other we can't say well brother who are you to judge me because i don't pray five times a day um no i all i'm saying is that it's haram that's mm -hmm. between you and allah but when i tell you it's haram to be doing that because you're not praying five times a day that doesn't make me judgmental my phone only has five percent on it so i don't know how you guys want to do this <laughs> 
Uh, yes, we do have Chargers in Minnesota. I, I we do. <laughs> I think we covered most things. Yeah, let me try putting this in. Would you have any suggestions for like uh, for Khatib and um, the leaders within the community and celebrities, celebrity imams? Um, any message out to them, maybe? Well, hey, the only thing I can say is that. Um, Give them the full picture. Popularity comes with a price tag. Um, the, 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 you know, the more difficult it is, the greater the reward is. And, and, and I think that's what I, I can remind myself and others of. And everything comes with a price tag. You know, to whom much is given, much is expected. I, I can never, the first time I heard that, it, it, it just, Hanalat resonates with me till today. I, and I, I think it's a biblical verse, but it's true. To whom much is given, much is expected. Um, of course, I hope a lot of the brothers who are in the crazy wala and barat thing don't accuse me of astaghfirullah and how can you quote that? And he's using the Bible as a reference, astaghfirullah. Mm -hmm. So again, disclaimer, it's not a matter of belief. It's just a nice quote. Yeah, it is. And it's true. It, it, it really is true. So um, yes, we all like the, 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 we all like the, the, mm -hmm. the followers and we all like the compliments and we all like, you know, but what's more important at the end of the day is, is preserving this religion. And those who, who's really going to preserve the religion, if the imams, speakers don't do it, I really don't know who, who else is going to do it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's nicely put. Uh, I think that's a good place to stop. What do you think, Fahad? Yeah, I I agree. Um, we need to get else in conclusion, we need to get rid of teddy bear. It's, we need to um, make this bear a little bit more ferocious. Take away a bit of the stuffing from it. Um, make it grow in size. Feed it. Bring it. Give some life to it. You know. So. Um, hashtag. I, I'm opti I'm optimistic. Um, I'm optimistic we can, but it, it, it has to be a collective effort. It really have to, it has to be a concerted effort. We have to realize that we're going down mm -hmm. this path, although we're convincing ourselves that it's a wisdom we're going down this path, we have to really realize that is this really the path we want to go down? Um, and we have, we have to change before it gets too late where we can't get back up the hill. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to add, Sheikh? Uh, no, I just ask. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward both of you for your time, for your energy, and for all that you guys do. And I also ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to forgive all of our shortcomings and to, to grant us the truth and to grant us uh, uh, courage to keep spreading the truth, inshallah ta'ala. And this in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. I mean, yeah. Jazakallah uh, khair for coming on. Uh, we know you're a busy man. You're imam, married, and, you know, you have a lot of stuff going on. So thank you for having us. Uh, that's why thank you for coming on our show. Uh, no. Have you and, uh, and uh, no, I wanted to add. Uh, how oh. can people reach you if they have any concerns? Uh, I don't know. Should, should we? Should, do we? Do we want people to reach you? Yeah, sure. If, well, I, I have an email for compliments and an email for insults, so I'll, I'll give both mm -hmm. of them. So on. <laughs> so hot. No, no. If people <laughs> want to reach. <laughs> if people want to reach me, they can reach me at um, Yusuf at tabsiraproject.com. That's my email. Uh, for How do you email. call Yusuf? Y-O-U-S-S-E-F. So Y-O-U-S as in Sam, S as in Sam, E like Edward, F like Frank. Yusuf at Tabsira Project. Tabsira is T-A-B-S-I-R-A. And then the word project. So Yusuf at Tabsira Project. 
uh, com or Yusef Susi on the, uh, and I'm sure you guys might have this even in the description description box, maybe later on. Yusuf Susi on, on Facebook too. You can yeah. find me there. On Facebook. Okay. So also Facebook. The sheikh, uh, lastly, I just wanted to add that the Sheikh has a YouTube channel as well uh, in which he has YouTube videos. Um, you're welcome to uh, watch those videos and also support his Patreon as well. So that way he releases more videos. Uh, and these videos, they're small, uh, they're uh, very short, and they're very powerful as well, uh, and very well edited. So, uh, and they're meant to kind of become viral and influence the collective Muslim Western psyche. Wow, that's a nice word. Um, um, you're awfully smart, brother Fab. <laughs> Goodness. So, I'm always stunned at your genius. <laughs> 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 wow. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the Tepsira project, uh, it's, it's a project that's worth checking out as a YouTube channel. Um, it's, I would say the topics that you talk about it and the way that it is, it's, it's kind of like Prager University. It's, it's a bit unorthodox in terms of the way that it's delivered. And um, it's, a, it's a project worth checking out and funding and supporting. Uh, yeah. Now, how much, do I, how much do I owe you for all that? Do I owe you something? <laughs> Another podcast. You can find Amar on Twitter as well uh, at bro buffbeard B-R-O-B-U-F-F-B-E-A-R-D um, and you can mm -hmm. find me at American Zabiha American so like at American Z-A-B-I-H-A -A. so um, yeah pretty solid go, go follow us give us hate mail fan mail whatever you want um, <laughs> And the, on the last note, uh, Yusuf Yusuf's videos are good, especially if you wanted to wanted more insight on actually Alana's age, uh, or if you want to know what the Muslim convenience cards are. They're yep. excellent. Uh, but with that note, they're interest uh, free. That's for sure. <laughs> that's that's three. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Another one. Uh, uh, like, share, comment, subscribe, and yeah, uh, we're out. All right, Zakum Lachir, guys. Zakum Lachir, thank you. Salam alaikum. So, so that was good. That was good.